Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to another episode of Expose the Podcast. I am Natalie Hayden, and Laverne Badger is here in spirit, but you know, it would not be an episode without acknowledging my lovely partner and what she contributes to this amazing work of domestic violence and awareness prevention and education. So today we have a special guest with us today, and that has really been the theme for this year is to really spotlight and highlight bring in um, special guests that can really shed some light on some current events, as well as, you know, maybe some focuses for the month. I'm really honored and privileged um, to have an opportunity to share space with this young woman. I recently just met her. So as we dive into a conversation with her, you'll be learning just as I'll be learning with her. And it really just speaks to the spontaneity of podcasting and the ability to just say, hey, we want to have a conversation with you and learn about you as our audience learns um, with us. So um, once again, guys, I hope you enjoy this opportunity to get to learn our guest, Francesca uh, Hung. And I'm going to go ahead and bring her on. So um Help me welcome Francesca Hung. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Natalie. I am so stoked to be here today. Thank you for sharing space. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So let's go back to last week. Last week um, here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, we were down at City Hall and there was mm -hmm. a rally. Mm -hmm. And can you tell me like what brought you to that space? Why were you, why were we there in the first place? Yes. Yeah, so um, last week, March 16th um, in Atlanta, there were eight victims of um, a mass shooting um, that was also a hate crime. Um, a white supremacist uh, drove across multiple counties um, targeting uh, Asian women and um, killed six Asian women. And there were two others um, who uh, were victims uh, to his hate as well. And, you know, it, um, it, it really, again, shook an Asian American and an Asian community that has been um, really living in a state of anxiety and, and fear um, mm -hmm. since there has been rhetoric, hateful rhetoric that has been exacerbated by the previous administration. But if it kind of opened up um, this this narrative and this dialogue and more conversation around how Asian Americans have been portray portrayed in this country, what, um, you know, Asian American identity is in this country. And, and I think with the rally last week in Milwaukee and the, it was, well, it was more of a vigil. Um, we were, we just wanted to be collectively grieving, collectively honoring those who died and, and really reflect on, um, you know, how we can move through these different stages of grief together um, and, and kind of think about where we need to be in terms of fighting hate and being in solidarity, but more importantly, finding solutions and not just being in solidarity with one another. I think there has been so much trauma in the past year um, 
but in 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 order to move forward, I'm I'm a firm believer in really looking at what had what has led to these conditions, what has led to our circumstances, what has led to our environments, and and how do we continue to make connections um, in solidarity with one another to find solutions so that we don't end up um, having these 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 tragic events happen again. Yes, um, to your point of um, you know questioning what has led in dealing with you know the history and the truths of mm-hmm. you know um, our unfortunate history here in America, that gives us ground to have difficult or for some of us, you know, we're somewhat forced to dive into to some difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. What do you think those conversations and you know like what type of conversations do you think? should we be having um, consistently, it looks like? What do you think that looks like, especially now that, you know, um, and not, I don't want to say now, but, you know, we are seeing a trend. And, you know, last week, the visual, it was, you know, it was a, it was a moment for us to grieve together. What is that conversation looking like in this community? That we have a, a lot of um, internal reckoning to do, but that it's important to see it through the lens of toxic white supremacy culture that is ingrained in this country's history, that racism is actually at the backbone of this history. And when people talk about constitution, um, you know, federalism, the the rights of the people, we really have to take a step back and, and look at, you know, how those rights have really only been offered up to a certain group. And what that does is it it pits a lot of our communities, our communities of color against each other. Um, when we, I hope, can really look at this moment and, and previous moments of tragedies as a way to um, understand that, you know, racism, bigotry, discrimination, white supremacy kills, but we can combat that by really standing in solidarity of one another, making sure that we are addressing anti-blackness in our communities and that, you know, we we know that it doesn't have to be the scarcity model. Like mm-hmm. we shouldn't have to fight for crumbs for our communities um, right. and that we, we can't look at our communities at a, as a monolith. We know that the women who were targeted and killed in, 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 in Atlanta um, were working Asian women and and it makes because they were working class they were vulnerable um, to uh, you know not only not always being able to fight and fend for themselves we know that low-wage jobs or jobs in sex work or massage work um, comes with a stigma and and that stigma does not you know, provide any additional shield uh, for them to be able to protect themselves. And, and I think it's really important to recognize that, you know, that that sex work is work, that that Asian, working class Asian women um, not only have to deal with racism, but also misogyny and, you know, that gender violence is connected to this and that mm-hmm. we have to really look at, you know, what sort of conditions are we creating um, as, as policymakers, you know, that that's my job right now um, mm-hmm. that that are creating circumstances for people uh, to to be in situations where they are more vulnerable and, and don't have agency to empower themselves and and you know have the freedom to live the lives that they want. I mean, these women were just they were going to work that day to support their families and themselves, mm-hmm. and and as you know, the model minority myth forces Asian Americans into um, really assimilating in order to protect themselves. But I think what we've seen is that 
proximity to whiteness is not a form of protection. We know that uh, white supremacy forces us to be in this situation. Mm -hmm. um, so I think a lot of people are, you know, I, I, I don't want to see, I, I try not to jump to opportunity in, in times of crisis, but sometimes it's part of the grieving process to be able to look forward. And, and I do think we have an opportunity to have a larger conversation around, you know, how do we protect our working women? How do we protect our women of color? Our, and, and when, when, you know, how do we pro provide more agency to folks? Um, knowing that pro assimilation is, you know, the product of assimilation and proximity to whiteness isn't that of being able to be safe in this country. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what would you say your role is specifically to this? Yeah, so I am um, currently a state representative for the 76th Assembly District in Madison, um, which is currently on, um, <clears throat> and I'm currently in the Capitol right now, which is on occupied Ho-Chunk land. Just want to make sure I do an acknowledgement there. Um, and and as a policymaker now, it is, is my job to make sure that we are putting forth legislation that helps people understand that it doesn't have to be this way. Mm -hmm. um, I am currently in, in the minority. Um, the, the Republicans control the legislature, um, both houses, the Senate and the Assembly. Um, and so what that does is it, it really pushes me to change the culture and the narrative and, and work an, an inside-outside strategy meaning that I need to go back to the activists, the grassroots organizations, mm -hmm. the community, and make sure that I am not being their voice, but that my role is to amplify their voices. I think too many politicians are co-opting and thinking that they have to speak for others who don't have a voice, but really it needs, I think you have to step back and say, no, it is our job to use this platform to help others amplify their issues. Those That storytelling, those experiences of people in the community will never compare to me spewing, you know, policy talk on, on a debate. It is, it is those stories because we are all humans. It is those stories that are most powerful. And I think mm -hmm. our job as policymakers, as politicians is to amplify voices of the community, not, you know, not try to listen to ourselves talk all the time. Absolutely. Um, thank you. So I am just learning that you do play a role in the Capitol. And so um, I just want to be clear that I am not, as a disclaimer, that Exposed to Podcast is not persuaded one way or the other. And this is just simply a conversation. Um, when I saw Francesca, um, I was just simply moved by her energy, by her, her compassion and the fact that we are here, we're one voice. And sometimes that one voice is overshadowed by, you know, like some, some of the things that we see on the outside, but we want to cast all of those things to the side and just really move forward as a unit and um, really just band together. One thing that I did see um, amongst the crowd was a lot of diversity. Mm -hmm. um, and that really just moved me. There were many people from all walks of life. And, um, you know, I we've witnessed that even throughout, you know, last year with all of the unrest and we're still moving in that way. So we want to continue to amplify, like you said, you know, there are so many grassroots organizations. Are there any specifically that you can think of um, that you have worked with that you would like to um, sort of recognize at this moment that is doing the work? I mean, 
there are so many amazing organizations here in Madison, and then they do have a, um, a satellite in Milwaukee as well. Freedom Inc. has done amazing work for Southeast Asia to empower Southeast Asian women to combat gender violence and white supremacy. Um, and, and really, I think they are the example of, of Asian Black solidarity. Um, mm. And and really, our, the history of, of uh, Asian Americans and Black Americans fighting together is actually um, kind of, is, is rooted in the civil rights movements. I yeah. think there were a lot of uh, Asian Americans who were inspired and uplifted by by seeing that. Um, and and you know, we when I talked earlier about. Um, white supremacy really pitting communities against each other, I think back to what happened with Latasha Harlins and, and, and Rodney King and then the, you know, LA riots and what happened with the Korean community and black community there. And, and I think, you know, it, that was, that was a product of conditions where people were living that were not suitable, perpetuated poverty and, and crime and, and um, really led us to be, um, you know, pit, pit against, put against each other, but we saw at the vigil in Milwaukee where we're seeing all across the country that this is a, a movement for a multiracial, multi-ethnic um, country that that stands empowered by one another as opposed to trying to um, uh, oppress one another. And Freedom Inc. has done amazing work as well as our, our university students here, the UW BIPOC Coalition, put together a rally in less than 24 hours in which they had um, speakers from, uh, powerful speakers from the community come out. You know, I was I was glad I went first and I didn't have to follow up on, on a lot of the amazing students who spoke about their experience as Asian Americans in this country. Mm -hmm. um, so UW BIPOC Coalition does amazing work um, here uh, we also, um, Urban Triage uh, has done phenomenal work in terms of, of uplifting and providing agency for, for um, Black communities in Madison. And, and really, I think, um, you know, because of the pandemic, you are seeing the efficacy and, and how much more gets done when we support mutual aid, when we support grassroots organizations, that they are working directly with the communities to provide both services, agency, and advocacy for them. So to see community fridges, you know, uh, just community fridges come up on, on in different neighborhoods and um, Facebook groups and forums where people are just working to share resources if you don't you can't always, you know, make that financial donation, which then, you know, happens to has to go through, you know, more hoops to be able to get to someone. Right. Um, you know, people rooting themselves in mutual aid and, and community, I think, is is really, um, uh, I, I hope, continues to um, kind of spread into policymaking, and and we can see um, the the like the actualization of of community supporting one another in that. Absolutely. One thing I have noticed is um, what's manifesting before us is just this collaborative effort. Yes. And it is a beautiful thing, you know, like no one is afraid to say based off of anything. We're just saying, hey, I see something that we could benefit and you can benefit from us. And let's bring those resources together. And I think as the momentum continues, we are, um, you know, we'll see the needle move forward. Um, 
you know, so I'm really excited about that. I am a person that likes to see the glass half full, mm. um, but I like to also call a thing a thing. Yeah. And I also like to recognize and say, okay, what's the action that we're going to take and move forward? If you could give us the community that, you know, anyone that you want to, you know, even if it's someone that may struggle with um, white supremacy. <laughs> um, what are some three action items that we could do to maybe fully understand each other a bit more as we're doing this work together or yeah. to, you know, like just push the agenda ahead, you know? I think the first thing is recognize that there's a responsibility you have as a bystander um, and that bystander training exists. And, and, when we talk about that, we're saying, take responsibility in your inter interpersonal relationships. When you hear your friends or your family, or even in the workplace, you know, things that don't quite sit well with you that you think mm -hmm. might be racist, speak up. It's really important, you know, we're, we're social human beings. And if we don't um, have more conversations or at least make our opinions known that that's not okay to say, um, it, we won't we won't progress and we won't be able to start changing behaviors and the way people think. So I think no longer being a bystander, taking responsibility for those interpersonal um, uh, interactions is, is really important because sometimes microaggressions can be even more harmful than, you know, the most direct rhetoric that you might hear. And I know that microaggressions really drives people to, to feel imposter syndrome, to, to, to doubt themselves, and we should be empowering one another. The second thing I would say is hold your elected officials accountable. They need to hear from constituents. You know, not a single um, Republican colleague of mine has signed on to a resolution that condemns anti-Asian hate. And I think that they represent people in this state who believe that anti-Asian hate is wrong. Um, mm -hmm. So, so hold your elected officials accountable. Um, call them, email them, send them letters. You know, it, it, it is their responsibility to be a representative and a responsive one. And they won't be responsive if they aren't held accountable by the people. Mm. And then lastly, I would say there are so many different ways to be an advocate. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's not everyone can be out in the streets. Not everyone can, can take time, you know, Folks, especially in the working class, are taking care of their families. They're they're having to go to work. They're taking care of so many things and managing, you know, just life can be overwhelming. Um, so so for those of us who have more time or resources um, to do that advocacy work, whether that be in the streets, um, whether that be in contributing to mutual aid, uh, whether that be in in um, just supporting a an, an Asian owned business or a Black owned business or a POC owned business trying to take steps into your everyday life that is conscious of the fact that racism exists, that um, we do live in a white supremacy culture. And it's it's really on all of us to combat that in our lives, at least a little bit every day. Wow. Yes. Those are um, three great tips um, for us to take a step in the right direction. Um, is there anything else that you would like to leave with us um, in regards to how we can just continue to work better together? Um, the, any work that you're doing um, personally, anything that's coming up, re, you know, in, in, you know, in recent news or upcoming? So is there anything else that you would like to share with us? 
Yeah, I mean, I am so flattered that you didn't think I was a politician uh, when you first <laughs> met me. I really am. I'm, I am very excited to hear that. And I think what I want to say on that is that I, I, I don't have a political background. My background is in hospitality. I was uh, a chef and a restaurant owner, and, and I still am very much connected to the hospitality industry. And so what I have to say is, we do not need permission to lead. Every single one of us is has power to be leaders in our communities in different ways. And it yeah. is our job to empower one another to be leaders. And, and for other women, especially BIPOC women, I encourage you to really think about running for office. And wow. I know this is a nonpartisan show and I'm not trying to make a political plug, but I, I want folks to recognize that the more representation we have, the more lived experiences we have, the more people we have who believe in other people and the power of community, our government is going to look and do better. So I, I encourage people to recognize that they are, that each one of us has power to lead and each one of us should lead unapologetically. I love that. And you couldn't have ended it, you know, any more, I mean, <laughs> any more perfect than that. Um, to know that every single last one of us, our voices, we have a story and that enough is a quality of leadership. So um, I want to tip my hat off to you. Thank you so much. And I, this will not be the last time we will definitely stay connected. And I Amen. really hope that, um, you know, like if there's anything else that we can do as expose the podcast to shed some light, you know, around difficult conversations, we're really here for it, to be quite honest. Um, we're here to um, also inspire and uplift, you know, any person that may be struggling in that area and especially our women. So we want to thank you. Yeah, um, of course. Thank, thank you, you so much. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for so much for your work as well. It was an absolute pleasure and an honor to be on Expose the Podcast. Thank you so much. Sit back and we'll um, wrap wrap things up for you. Okay. Wow. So that was definitely, um, you know, it was a brief conversation, but it was so packed with so much um, information. We have work to do. And as Francesca stated, you know, like everyone, no matter the background, no matter what you've come from, everyone has the opportunity. They have the potential to lead and somehow, you know, use your voice in some capacity and just really knowing, you know, like not feeling obligated to do everything, but to do something. So we just challenge you to stand with all of us, no matter what background, where you're from, white, black, Hispanic, Latina, Pacific Islander, anyone, all of us have that ability to make change. And so we really want to thank Francesca for coming in and just sharing with us her experience and, and ask from us, you know, she has a specific ask and we want to honor that. So we honor Francesca and her community, as well as all the other communities, including my own community that have been oppressed by um, such antics. And we really just want to take those things and just um, do our best with it and support each other. So once again, guys, I am Natalie Hayden. Thank you so much for joining Expose the Podcast. We hope you have a great day and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.